ITV Radio, on mobile, online and on radio. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land NITV Radio broadcasts from, the Camaragal people and their elders past and present. We also acknowledge all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander tribes and clans we broadcast to, from the mountains to the plains, from the desert to the sea, from fresh water to salt water. Yuridimarang, hello, I'm your host, Lawana Grant, and welcome to NITV Radio for this Wednesday, the 14th of February. Coming up on today's show, NITV Radio chats with Hunter Page Lashard, one of the stars of the new NITV children's series, Eddie's Little Homies, an animated comedy series inspired by AFL legend Eddie Betts' children's books. We also chat to Francesca Cabillo, the Executive Director of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Arts at Creative Australia, about the funding opportunities they are providing to a variety of the arts, including fashion, music and literature. And the announcement was made yesterday as the government delivered its annual Closing the Gap report on the anniversary of the National Apology to the Stolen Generations. All these stories and more coming up after the latest news. Australia Day 1972 saw the first Aboriginal embassy directly outside Parliament. The native title legislation must be amended. And they walked this land so many times before anybody came. I am sorry. In this bulletin, the Minister for Indigenous Australians, Linda Burney, has rejected calls by the federal opposition for a spending audit of First Nations programs. A stolen generation survivor has called on the Commonwealth Parliament to help better support those affected from the stolen generation. And a violent storm have left thousands of homes and businesses in Victoria without power. The Minister for Indigenous Australians, Linda Burney, has rejected calls by the federal opposition for a spending audit of First Nations programs. Senator Burney has called for more bipartisan effort to address Indigenous inequality after the latest Closing the Gap annual report revealed only four of 19 key areas were on target. Opposition leader Peter Dutton used a speech to Parliament on Tuesday after Prime Minister Anthony Albanese tabled the report to repeat calls for an audit of Indigenous programs. But Senator Burney has told the ABC calls for an audit seek to blame Indigenous community organisations for the report's findings. I don't think an audit is required. What's required is more effort and bipartisanship, quite frankly, across the parliament and across the country in terms of getting outcomes. The Prime Minister, who described the report's findings as inexcusable, has announced several new initiatives, including a First Nations Children's Commissioner, a jobs program and Wi-Fi upgrades for remote areas, as well as real-time reporting on deaths in custody. A stolen generation survivor has called on the Commonwealth Parliament to help better support those affected from the stolen generation. It comes after the 16th anniversary of the apology to the stolen generations was marked yesterday, where survivors and descendants came together at events around the country. 
in the capital, Ian Ham, says he wants more action on the Stolen Generations redress scheme across different parts of Australia. They say when you come to Canberra, make sure you have an ask. I have an ask making an appeal. I personally beg you to talk to, engage with, lobby, hassle, hustle, badger, bludgeon, I not really care. The premiers and governments of Western Australia, Queensland, South Australia, New South Wales and Tasmania to establish or revisit their stolen generations redress schemes and get them to the benchmark of the Victorian redress scheme, imperfect as it may be. Hundreds of thousands of homes and businesses in Victoria are without power after violent storms swept through the state, toppling power lines after a day of scorching temperatures. The eastern and southeastern suburbs of Melbourne, including Waverley, Burwood East, Vermont South and Bentley, bore the brunt of the damage. At its peak, an estimated 500,000 properties were left in the dark as towers crumbled under the intense heat, transmission lines faltered and multiple generators disconnected from the grid. The Australian energy market operator attributed those power outages to storm activity, strong winds and lightning. Currently, 280,000 properties are without power. The Chief Executive of Victoria's Chamber of Commerce and Industry, Paul Guerrera, tells Radio 3AW the energy grid in the state is not fit for purpose. And the future for Victorians in terms of energy is not good. The Energy Minister needs to come out and actually show where the roadmap is to give every Victorian, whether they're a business or a citizen, confidence that we are not going to face this again. Emergency responders are assessing the extent of property damage caused by the raging bushfires in Victoria's eastern and central regions as three fires continue to burn out of control. In the Mount Stapleton and Belfield areas within the Grampians National Park, the immediate threat has diminished after residents were advised to seek shelter yesterday afternoon. In Pominal, five firefighters were slightly injured after their fire truck was engulfed by flames. Chief Officer of the Country Fire Authority, Jason Heffernan, tells the ABC Belfield Blaze is the primary focus for firefighting crews. We do know there is has been property loss, uh, both homes and, and outbuildings, and today's job is to, to go in there and survey the damage uh, to get those total numbers. It is still an emergency warning, to, uh, not, not to, uh, to, to shelter now, uh, it's too late to leave, and that's largely uh, driven from a fire situation, but also from a very dangerous tree situation, uh, obviously, uh, with uh, still some, some moderate winds out there. It is very dangerous for anyone to be in and around that area, so that is still at an emergency uh, warning level, and crews are continuing to, uh, to fight that fire. The fire has already consumed over 2,100 hectares. United Nations Secretary-General Antonio Guterres says public order has broken down in Gaza and an Israeli military offensive in Rafah, the southern city where some 1.5 million Palestinians have sought refuge, would have devastating consequences. Well, I am particularly worried with the deteriorating conditions and security for humanitarian aid delivery in Gaza. There is a breakdown in public order. At the same time, we have restrictions imposed by Israel that are not improved and limit humanitarian distribution. My sincere hope is that the negotiations for the release of hostages and some form of cessation of hostilities 
to be successful, to avoid a all-out offensive over Rafa, where core of the humanitarian system is located, and that would have devastating consequences. Flower growers and florists are preparing to send a quarter of a million roses into Australian hearts and homes this Valentine's Day, and that's just in the nation's most populous state. Growers and wholesalers take months to prepare for the Valentine's Day rush, selling an estimated 250,000 roses through the Sydney flower market. The market accounts for about 75% of the wholesale cut flower trade in New South Wales. Florists and wholesalers hit the market as early as 3am to find the freshest flowers. And in cricket, Mitch Marsh says he will happily slot back to number three ahead of the T20 World Cup to allow Travis Head to return to the top of the order. Marsh was promoted to opener for the series finale against the West Indies in Perth last night. The West Indies won the match by 37 runs, but Australia claimed the series 2-1. And now for a look at today's weather. Broome, partly cloudy, 34. Perth, sunny, 37. Adelaide, partly cloudy, 24. Melbourne, partly cloudy, 19. Hobart, partly cloudy, 20. Albury-Wodonga, sunny, 28. Canberra, a shower or two and a possible storm, 28. Wollongong, showers and a possible storm, 27. Sydney, showers and a possible storm, 30. Newcastle, showers and a possible storm, 34. Brisbane, partly cloudy, 31. Townsville, a shower or two developing, 31. Cairns, partly cloudy, 32. Alice Springs, sunny, 39. Darwin, a possible storm, heavy falls, 31. And the Torres Strait Islands, a shower and possible storm, 32. And that is NITV Radio News. Your community, your conversation. NITV Radio. NITV Radio. Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 1pm or anytime online. There's a new crew in the playground. Are you ready? You can't spell ready without Eddie, so let's get to it. And we want you to be part of the game. Big dog, why don't you take it away? So come on, bring your imagination. Because best friends always have the best fun. Stop! Unauthorised use of a ladder in a public area. Well, nearly always. (laughs) (laughs) We're Freddy's little homies. Join the conversation on radio, online and mobile. You're with NITV Radio. Welcome back. I'm your host, Luana Grant, and you're listening to NITV Radio. Still to come on the show, we catch up with Hunter Page Lachard, one of the stars of the new NITV children's series, Eddie's Little Homies. And we also chat to Francesca Cabillo, the Executive Director of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Arts at Creative Australia. But first, the government is set to create a national commissioner to help improve outcomes for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children. The announcement was made as the government delivered its annual Closing the Gap report on the anniversary of the National Apology to the Stolen Generations. (music) 
16 years since the national apology to members of the stolen generation, survivors and their families gathered at Parliament House to remember a dark chapter of Australian history and mark a promise by the then government to improve the lives of First Nations people. Nanawal elder Dr Auntie Caroline Hughes shared her family's experience. I stand here with you today on behalf of my 87-year-old mother, Senior Nanawal Elder Loretta Bell. Mum was forcibly removed at 10 years of age along with her 11-year-old sister, removed from the loving arms of her parents. My mother has said she is a survivor and what happened was the result of practices that were designed to obliterate her Aboriginality from her and not just from her, from her children and grandchildren and so on. The national apology by the then Prime Minister, Kevin Rudd, recognised the suffering of generations of Indigenous people taken from their families as children under a government policy which ran until the 1970s. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese attended the breakfast. I can tell you there are many moments that I'm proud of as a parliamentarian. That extraordinary day 16 years ago remains my proudest. Also recognised the ongoing trauma and challenges still faced by Indigenous people, as evidenced in the latest Closing the Gap report. The report tracks the progress of government efforts to improve Indigenous health and well-being across 19 socio-economic indicators such as life expectancy, employment and education. The latest release shows only four of the targets are on track to be met. Improvement has been seen in 11 other areas. But outcomes have worsened for four of the targets, children's early development, rates of children out of home care, adult rates of imprisonment and suicide. In delivering the report, the government announced a new National Commissioner for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Children to begin later this year. Prime Minister for Indigenous Australians, Linda Burney, says the new role will help improve outcomes for children. Indigenous children are almost 11 times more likely to be in out-of-home care than non-Indigenous children. And of course, all children, no matter who they are, deserve to be safe. The new Commissioner will work with communities and state and territory commissioners and focus on strengthening families and getting better outcomes for First Nations children and young people. The government also announced a program to create 3,000 jobs in remote areas over the next three years. $707 million will be invested in the scheme, the first step in replacing a controversial Work for the Dole program established by the Coalition. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese said the program aims to build skills and deliver services that communities want. This new program will focus squarely on economic development that strengthens community and, crucially, lays the foundations for long-term positive change. The key ingredient is engagement with community organisations and communities to identify and develop local opportunities and jobs. Those organisations will also identify the right people to do those jobs and be the employer. Opposition leader Peter Dutton said the government needed to deliver on its promises. It's an admirable aim. Prime Ministers successively have made similar announcements provided additional funding, talking about opportunities to grow jobs, to build houses, to address health needs, education needs, 
in many communities, but in many situations, the aspiration has just not been achieved. He also repeated calls for a royal commission into child sexual abuse in remote communities and an audit of Indigenous spending. Meanwhile, the Greens have called for immediate action to address Indigenous disadvantage in the criminal justice system by increasing the age of criminal responsibility and introducing Medicare into prisons. Last week, a scathing report by the Productivity Commission warned closing the gap targets were destined to fail without a fundamental shift in approach to ensure shared decision-making. Today, the Prime Minister acknowledged the need for change. Decades of insisting that government knows best has made things worse. We must find a better way and we must do it together. That focus was a fundamental reason our government sought to fulfil the gracious and generous request from Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people for a voice enshrined in our nation's constitution. Prominent voice to Parliament campaigner Tom Calmer is also appealing for unity. Now is the time for all members, members of parliaments in all jurisdictions to set aside party politics and to work with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples to close the inequality gap within the next decade. Hear what the majority of Aboriginal people and Torres Strait Islander people told you through the referendum process. The status quo or piecemeal and uncoordinated efforts are not enough. Hear us and work with us. And that story was produced by Edwina Guinan for SBS News. We'll be back with more after the break. You're listening to NITV Radio. Visit sbs.com.au slash NITV Radio. Visit sbs.com.au slash NITV Radio. Welcome back. You're listening to NITV Radio. Francesca Cabillo is Executive Director of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Arts at Creative Australia. Francesca speaks with NITV Radio's Anari Pakai about the funding opportunities Creative Australia is providing to a variety of the arts, including fashion, music and literature. You're listening to NITV Radio. I'm Nairi Pakai, and today we talk with Creative Australia. First Nations talent in fashion, music and literature is seeing significant support from Creative Australia. With opportunities in funding, grants and studio spaces, creative artisans are pushing the boundaries and Creative Australia is there to support them. Francesca Cupello is the Executive Director of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Arts, joining NITV Radio today to share just a little bit more about Creative Australia. Thanks for coming and chatting with us, Francesca. Oh, good morning, Nari. Lovely to be joining you and your listeners. So I just want you to introduce yourself for a moment. Who's your mob and what do you do? Uh, Nari, my mob are from the top end regions of Australia. Um, saltwater country, and uh, my ancestry is Larikia, Bardi, Waterman, and Yanua people. I've been very fortunate to live and work on Gadigal country um, here in Sydney at Creative Australia, and so lovely to be joining mob right across Australia today. 
we're here to talk about Creative Australia. Recently, they've launched uh, Flourish 3, Elevate 3 and Space to Create 3, which are grants. Uh, What does Creative Australia's grants look like for artists applying? And then also, what do the words mean that I just said to everyone? (laughs) I think um, what we're really focused on here is recognising that mob are the best storytellers this country has ever seen and the storytelling takes place across a whole range of different media and we want to recognize and really invest in storytelling in such a tangible way and so we looked at three different areas of First Nation storytelling music our song men and women and how music is such a healing mechanism, but a mechanism for protest, a mechanism for education, uh, a mechanism for self-empowerment. And so uh, for us, we thought, let's, let's ensure that our First Nations storytellers who are musicians and who work in the music industry have the opportunity to sit create around themselves with people in the industry who have uh, technical expertise that they can share. And so we partnered with ANU, the Australian National University, some three years ago, said to them, what does providing studio space and space for our creatives to actually focus and and, and develop all of those musical uh, talent. And so uh, there's a remarkable First Nations uh, leader who works at ANU, Will Kepper, and we talked with Will and this remarkable program developed. And this year we're excited to, to celebrate. The six recipients have been chosen and they will have this remarkable residency in the studio at ANU. It's called the Yellow Studio and uh, we're excited that we have a large number of female applicants who are successful so we just want to do a wonderful shout out to our First Nations women who who are creative story singers, story tellers in this industry and also to our brothers as well. So yeah, that that is a wonderful opportunity that we call Base to Create, specifically dedicated to our First Nations creatives who work in the music sector. How do these significant grants supporting artists impact the wider cultural community? I think what, what it does is it recognises our remarkable First Nation creatives as, as workers, as contributors to the remarkable identity um, they are uh, able to to get the recognition to get the financial support to get this this wonderful uh, opportunity to advance their creative expertise to develop entrepreneurially you know we've got this other remarkable investment called flourish um, which is all about investing in our first nation storytellers who work within the fashion and textile industry now fashion and textile industry in australia is worth billions of dollars and of course we all know first nation mob are the 
said deadliest um, <laughs> mob. And so we just thought, well, this is an area of creativity and storytelling that we really should start to support our mob in. And so three years ago, we were the first to actually in, in Australia to invest in First Nations and uh, textile design at a national level. And we've seen huge results. Uh, we've seen fashion labels be launched in communities such as um, Broom in WA, Rabibi. Mm -hmm. We've seen international collections, well, collections take it to Paris um, and Milan. And, of course, we've seen First Nations fashion uh, take the lead in terms of Australian Fashion Week. And, of course, mob. You just need to look at socials or any of our musicians and uh, creatives. They're all dressed up in all First Nations textile and fashion and really um, humbling to see our mob dialing up on local, national and the international arena. We recognise storytelling in the form of, of writing and literature. And that is um, our investment framework that we call Elevate. And we wanted to ensure that our First Nations storytellers who write all of those remarkable books, those amazing plays, um, that they are supported telling their community story or even being innovative and telling sci-fi stories. I mean, it's just um, for us about empowerment. It's about self-determination. It's about recognition and respect. And uh, we're fortunate that we're able to provide these opportunities through um, either partnerships through financial investment or through providing safe cultural spaces where where people can tell their story their way. Speaking of uh, safe cultural spaces, Creative Australia has also implemented the First Nations First, which is like a consultancy engagement with community and investment in First Nations art making. How do you see uh, that improving improving the industry for uh, our creatives or for the people behind the scenes supporting Indigenous industries? Look, it's, it's for us, it's always been a um, high priority that First Nation mob determine the investment that happens at Creative Australia and previous to that, the Australia Council for the Arts through the Aboriginal Arts Board. And uh, there has always been... Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who have uh, been on various boards advising and uh, really having oversight in terms of First Nations decision-making, um, First Nations determinations and First Nations investment. And so under uh, Creative Australia, we have a new opportunity to re-engage with our sector and uh, touch base. We're very mindful that um, we are in a post-pandemic environment. We are also in uh, a post-referendum environment. And uh, we know many of our creatives uh, have a lot of both opportunity but also pressures upon them in terms of their creativity so as we, uh, we're given this responsibility under the National Cultural Policy, we knew that we needed to touch base with our mob on the ground 
So uh, at the end of last year, we began quite an extensive consultation process, which will uh, come to fruition at the end of March. And I encourage all your listeners to have a look at our website to see where all these gatherings will take place. So we are sharing information about the National Cultural Policy, about what might First Nations-led, First Nations First-led look like at Creative Australia. And we really want to hear from the sector. We want to hear from mob. We want to hear from eldership. We want to hear from the leaders in the communities about where they see the priority area for investment are. So uh, we've embarked on this important process and uh, we're looking forward to talking to MOB to find out what those priorities are and uh, they will include a continued commitment to flourish, elevate, but there will also be new investment and again this will all be informed by MOB and their priorities that they have identified to us through the consultation process. Mm, that sounds like an amazing opportunity for community to be involved directly yeah. and indirectly. You have yourself have been in the arts for more than 30 years, working in museums and art galleries. What excites you about up-and-coming Indigenous creatives? Uh, look, what, what excites me is the diversity of our storytelling. Uh, I, I get excited when I see remarkable celebration of uh, our culture, our eldership. You know, for me, there's a remarkable legacy of all of those amazing elders who passed on um, and see the way that are being carried and cared for, the legacy by the next generation is both inspirational and and really humbling. And so, you know, I, I every time we have these opportunities where we call for um, you know, our mob to share their ideas with us, um, share their aspirations. Um, I'm so excited by what I see and I'm so excited by the diversity and I'm so excited by the honouring of what has happened in the past um, and the honouring of um, our elders who have passed on but equally this strong commitment to intergenerational sharing of culture across our cassette, be it gaming, be it fashion and textile design, albeit, you know, remarkable engagement across multimedia. So, yeah, I still get so excited and inspired every day. As I said, I'm fortunate to... To work on Gadigal country and be totally surrounded by such um, rich and remarkable creatives, and uh, and as I said, we we receive so many amazing applications. Um, excited by what I see, and excited to be able to talk with Mob and and hear where they're taking arts and culture into the future. So we've spoken about just a few of the newest grants. Um, are there more opportunities for people to apply and where should we be looking for these grants? And well, um, the opportunity, um, you will start to see at 
hearing on our website. So uh, I'd encourage everyone to to hold as a bookmark Creative Australia, um, which was previously known as the Australia Council for the Arts. Um, I know a lot of people are, are very much aware of of um, the Australia Council for the Arts and with our uh, name change, it's uh, very much the same commitment but an increased um, remit for supporting our artists and our creatives. And so I encourage all your listeners to have a look at our website. Uh, there is an opportunity to also register and subscribe. And of course, I encourage everyone to register and hear a bit more uh, about the important work we're doing over the next 12 months. Keep track of um, our website. We will certainly see um, some new investment frameworks in addition to our uh, ongoing investment happening at the end of this year. So, um, And, of course, I can... Always come back and have a chat with you, Nari, as well, and uh, let people know um, over um, over the radio um, because I know not everyone has access to computers and engaging online. So um, I reckon if we lock in the time to chat with you, we can make sure that, that your listeners are also across these amazing opportunities. Absolutely. Send through an email. Um, I, <laughs> I want to thank you for uh, talking with NITV Radio today. I really enjoyed hearing about the Creative Australia and what they're doing with the arts. Oh, it's lovely, lovely chat with you, Nari, and your audience. I love our rich art and culture and, uh, you know, I, I love to see it accelerate. Yeah, so um, my pleasure sharing this information but can't wait to hear from you and um, can't wait to see the exciting amazing things they do in our communities. Join the conversation on radio, online and mobile. You're with NITV Radio. Welcome back. I'm your host, Luana Grant, and you're listening to NITV Radio. Hunter Page Lashard is an actor, director, and writer, and the star of the new NITV children's series, Eddie's Little Homies, an animated comedy series inspired by AFL legend Eddie Betts' children's books. It's a 10-part series which premieres on NITV this Friday at 7.30pm and will also be available to stream on SBS On Demand. NITV's Bronte Charles caught up with Hunter to chat about his role and what he loves most about the series. My name is Hunter Page Lashard and I'm playing Eddie in Eddie's Little Homies, which is a 10-episode animated children's comedy series um, premiering on NITV and Netflix in Australia and New Zealand on February the 16th. And Eddie is the leader of, well, not so much a leader, but uh, he's kind of the, the, the puppeteer, I guess, the, the cheeky puppeteer of his group of friends that um, kind of go through weekly adventures together um, that, that revolve around childhood, you know, nostalgic childhood games and, and, and other fun things. So, yeah, it's a treat. And how do you get 
yourself in the character of of Eddie? Oh Lord, um, I have to thank Play School. I think um, Play School helps a lot, and obviously having two little girls, um, and I kind of just get really into my cheeky, my cheeky side. Um, getting into the booth, you know, I've got such a low re- uh, register of a voice, um, and Eddie's a, I think, you know, I think he's an eight year old or a nine year old or around that age, and so you know, he's he doesn't really have a deep voice, <laughs> so. That was kind of one of the things that would would help me kind of get into Eddie is is just kind of raising it up a little bit, you know. Um, and so, yeah, it's um, that that was the, the 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 birth of of Eddie. Yeah. Oh, beautiful! And why do you think this kind of representation is important on Australian TV screens, particularly because you know the audience is is a bit younger? Oh, I just. I think it's really important because, you know, one representation just means the more it's out there for the new generation, the more it's just a normality, which is obviously very important. Um, and and also, you know, having it on Netflix, you know, something of the calibre of Bluey or something like that, I think, but it, but it is First Nations, I think is also very important because I'm such a huge advocate of trying to put um, the First Nations lens on a global stage without without it solely being the tokenistic version of the First Nations lens. Um, and this very much isn't that, you know, there's there's characters in this that aren't First Nations and there's there's characters that are and, and, and you know, we, we follow and explore the characters that aren't as much as we do explore the characters that, that are. And, and, you know, we it's more of a celebration of a clan and that in itself, is very much a First Nations theme. So, so yeah, it's, 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 yeah, beautiful. <laughs> Lovely. Do you reckon- Importantly beautiful. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Do you reckon this will be the next Bluey then? Oh, uh, you know what? I've been saying it since day one and I'm not going to stop saying it, but, you know, I'm a huge fan of Bluey myself. So it, it hopefully we can just share the spotlight. Beautiful. Good answer. Um, is Eddie's Little Homie something that you would have liked growing up? And if so, why? Oh, my God, yeah. Um, I don't know. I think because I just I, I, I grew up around people like Eddie and stuff like that. So I think watching it as a kid, I would have related very, um, you know, it, it would have been something that I would have definitely felt close to. Um, and, yeah, you know, it just it, it represents a side of Sydney that, you know, you don't really see on TV that much. And, and again, you know, it's very nostalgic. So, yeah, I, I I would have been a huge fan. You know, me as a kid, I watched, you know, the Sandalot um, boys or, or, or kids and, um, like, the Little Rascals. So I was always into, like, you know, the misfit children getting together outside of school hours kind of stories. So this is, this is definitely one of those um, vibes for sure. And what have you loved the most about working working on on the show? Um, I think just the the crew itself. Um, you know, just working with Eddie Betts. Um, uh, you know, of course, and 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 everyone else involved, and and just having fun with it, and and being able to be a kid, and 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 to do an animation. You know, I think that's always on an actor's bucket list is to voice an a- a- animation. So to be able to lead that and to, and to have fun with it at the same time was, 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 was a treat. And I'm very humbled. Yeah. And just lastly, why do you think it's an important watch? 
I just think, you know, we only really have one other TV show, which is Little Jane Big Cuz. And so I just think the more the, the more we see, you know, different, even just the different skin tones of, of characters, you know, it's not just it, it's not just the one skin tone um, when it comes to a- animation, you know, there's. You know, Eddie's Eddie's a little bit browner than his brother Junior. You know, like like there's like there's and that's and that's the Australian mob um, and 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 these you know the Aboriginal urban culture at, at the moment. You know, we're all we're all different shades. You know, but but we're all Aboriginal and we're all connected to this land. So so I think that's that's why it's an important watch for this day and age. Yeah. There's a new crew in the playground. Are you ready? You can't spell ready without Eddie. So let's get to it. And we want you to be part of the game. Awesome! Yes! Big Dog, why don't you take it away? Ooh. So come on, bring your imagination. Because best friends yeah. always have the best fun. Stop! Unauthorised use of a ladder in a public area. Well, nearly always. <laughs> We're Freddy's little homies. Join the conversation on radio, online and mobile. You're with NITV Radio. And that's all we have time for on today's program. You can listen back to the show anytime online or catch any of our stories on our website at sbs.com.au. NITV Radio will be back on Friday with more stories from right across the country. I'm your host, Lawana Grant. Mandangor, thanks so much for listening and have a great day. Hey, Bob,